MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, April 30th, 2020. Today, the Iowa governor says the quiet part out loud. The CDC warns the death toll is far higher than reported. Roger Stone's warrants are released. A third-party spoiler joins the presidential election. Trump threatens to sue his campaign manager, Ohio primary results, and the race for a COVID treatment and vaccine. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am good. I had a nice therapy session today. I cried a lot. It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. Uh, I'm assuming that's a good thing. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was one of those cries that's like, this cry has been waiting 20 years to come out, you know? (laughs) Oh, wow. One of those. Yeah. Uh, what you pay them yeah for. i got some <laughs> yeah 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 exactly uh we got some good news um we uh, have found out we are webby honorees I, I don't know if we mentioned this yesterday or not but um we've been recognized again this year by the webby awards so that's really awesome and i want to thank the webbies for that uh recognition so congratulations to you too jordan thank you congratulations to you that's fucking awesome the Webbies were so fun last year, and I'm a huge fan of the politics that they embody around the whole event, and not even necessarily liberal or conservative sh- stuff or whatever, but just what they try to amplify, and, and you know, it was, the whole thing was a really good experience. So congratulations to all the people that are nominated, and best of luck winning in your categories, uh, and thank you. Yes. Yes. Yes, and uh, congrats to Gaslit Nation, who were also honorees in our category of news and politics podcasts. Awesome. Good job, guys. Very cool. And uh, tomorrow is our Tiki Swank Q&A quarantine cocktail hour. You were made for that theme. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Everyone's like, hey, if you're looking for Tiki stuff, I'm like, nope, I'm not. I'm all set. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'll just stop, drop, and roll in my house and wear some yeah. double-sided tape, come back decorated. <laughs> you don't, totally. I'm like, if I, if I just walk around long enough, I'll end up wearing something yes. tiki-themed. Yes. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I look forward to that every week. Um, and thank you to our, our patrons and, and the public who, who join us on those Q&A uh, jam sessions mm-hmm. appreciate it totally and uh let's see we do have a lot of news to get to uh so why don't we jump in and hit the hot notes hot notes all right so today jordan you have a, a bunch of updates for us on covid19 what do you have yeah so i'll just run through them a uh, kind of quickly some california news our governor gavin newsom he's gonna add nevada and colorado to our, our our little congregation of states that are working together like the east coast has their pact as well that they're they're trying to organize all of their reopening procedures together essentially so that they they are 
I mean, all of our economies interact with each other very much so. So the idea is anything that one state does is going to directly affect the other state very immediately. So if we can all be on the same page about that, it's going to lead to the most effective reopening possible and the safest reopening possible. So now we've got Nevada and Colorado, which is which is fun. Yay. Got my got my home state in there. We're all hanging out together. Nevada and Colorado, good states. Very good states. Very good pact. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, <laughs> the best pact. Tremendous, <laughs> tremendous, tremendous states. Tremendous states. I have states. casinos. <laughs> yeah. Casinos in that. Oh no, that's so true. I stayed in his hotel once, actually, in in Vegas. <gasps> yeah, it was because I was on. Uh, fuck, I was doing. I was working for some gig. It was like some show or something, and they had posted us up there at that hotel. So I didn't use my own money on it. I don't even remember the the org that paid for it, but apparently the best deals were at Trump Hotel because I imagine it's a failing enterprise. (laughs) So... Yeah. <laughs> this is in the middle of bankruptcy again. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like this was not a group that had a lot of money when they when they posted us up at the Trump Hotel. We were like, "What the fuck?" Okay, <laughs> yeah. And it was a uh, a very mediocre hotel. It was it was fine, and that was it. Anyway, I feel like the stratosphere is nicer. Yeah, stratosphere is so cool. Mm-hmm. I did my junior Sadie Hawkins dance at the stratosphere. It's very fun. Oh, we went up oh, and who'd you ask? Well, I asked my best friend at the time, Tiago Santana. I also mm. made Tiago kiss me on the mouth platonically before I went to college because I was a prude and had never kissed anybody. Shout out to Tiago. Oh. <laughs> What's up, Tiago? <laughs> Practice and kissing on Tiago at the Stratosphere Sadie Hawkins. Yes. Dance. I was like, this is Sadie's women have the power. Kiss me. <laughs> oh God. So funny. Um anyways, welcome to that in Colorado. Uh next next headline. This is coming out of the World Health Organization. So I'll call them who or <clears throat> is it WHO or who? What's the preferred way to reference that? I call it the WHO, but perfect. Yeah. I'll do that. So the WHO, they said that they're they're aware of a UK report that came out that's about a small number of children that have an inflammatory response to COVID-19. They came out on Wednesday today um or yesterday if you're not a patron. Uh Dr. Maria Van Kerkhove, I think is how you pronounce her name. Uh, She's a WHO technical lead for the COVID response. She said, we're looking at this with our clinical network. And in fact, our clinical network had a teleconference yesterday, which discussed this. There are some recent rare descriptions of children in some European countries that have had this inflammatory syndrome, which is similar to the Kawasaki syndrome, but it seems to be very rare. So... Yeah, um, Dr. Dr. Mike Ryan, he's executive director of the WHO's health emergencies program. He said that clinicians right now are looking into what's causing those inflammation, um, that inflammation that attacks tissue other than lung tissue. And he said, we've seen this in the past with many emerging diseases. They don't necessarily only attack one type of tissue. There can be multiple organs affected. And many of you have seen the reports of other organs that have been affected with this disease. So that's, um, yeah, there have been reports of uh, people with kidney failure, um, 
And then, of course, there's the whole um, clotting situation. I mean, it's it's presenting in so many different ways. Um, we still just there's so much that is so much like just un- so unknown about it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I imagine, you know, I'm wondering, is this the kind of stuff that's going to, going to explain the sort of infant mortality that we've seen that seems very outside of the larger demographics of people that seem to be mostly affected by this disease when it comes to deaths? Um, do you think that's that's what this is in response to, basically? Huh, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. I don't know either. Mm-mm. And we've had so many, we've had so few, uh, you know, young, young children that we know of um, be impacted by this that I just, I don't know that we have enough, we just don't have enough data. Yeah. But because we don't have enough data, they're looking into it. So that's yeah. that's good. Um, some other some other headlines. I've kind of you know been covering how the different states are handling their reopening procedures. So I'm going to continue some of that today. Florida is going to begin reopening on Monday, uh, but they say their hard hit regions are going to remain shut. Their governor Ron DeSantis, a Republican, if I need to remind you, said <laughs> Wednesday afternoon that the state would take a small, deliberate, methodical approach. To reopening, their first phase is going to begin Monday. It's going to allow restaurants and stores to operate at 25% capacity. Outdoor seating restaurants are going to be allowed with social distancing. However, movie theaters are going to remain closed, and so are the bars, gyms, and personal services like hairdressers. He said, we want to build as much confidence as possible with the general public. Um, Fear is our enemy, he says the no i don't know what that even fucking means yeah it's like fear is your friend in a pandemic yes (laughs) stay home you dumb fucking piece of shit yes (laughs) it's he says it's kind of yeah it's kind of mixed messaging for sure coming from coming from him because the reopening is going to exclude their three most populous counties so it doesn't doesn't consider miami-dade broward and palm beach counties so it's like is fear the enemy or are you listening to it when it comes to like the people that are going to be, you know, affected in the highest numbers? Kind of inconsistent messaging there, if you ask me. Well, I assume they're going to set up like checkpoints on the highways and the interstates to make sure that the virus isn't traveling between those counties and other counties, right? I mean, because... Right, because they, they're so on top of their shit there. <laughs> and that's... When I think of Florida, I think of thorough and efficient government. You know, mm. that's what that's what comes into my head. That's what pops into my mind. Yes, going all the way back to two thousand and the recount. Yeah, they right. sure are on top of their shit. And and, and here's the th- and I don't blame the residents of Florida. This is all of course this is all your government. But um, yeah, I just can imagine like somebody driving out of Broward County into you know a, one of those a different county that's not on the list of of the three major ones. And and you know the, uh, roll down your window. Yes. Do you are you carrying COVID with you? No. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm gonna need to uh, search your trunk. What yeah. for? You don't have permission. My rights are being violated. Yeah, I, just, I don't. I don't see that there's like a uh, COVID coyotes who are smuggling the disease across county lines. Yeah. Just, what the fuck is yeah. Ron DeSantis thinking? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be so crazy. I mean, we have 50 different states, right? So it's going to be, 
um, last time I counted. It's going to be really wild to sort of look at all these different case studies, essentially, and, and see how these different governors are handling this and all of the intricate fallouts, basically, that you're going to have happening when you're trying to roll this stuff out. It's just going to be, it's truly going to be incredibly fascinating to study in hindsight and kind of terrifying to live through when nobody really knows what's going to happen when it comes to a second wave and, and the resilience of the virus. And, and and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that all these people that are taking steps that are, you know, maybe considered preemptive by scientists, I really hope it doesn't go as poorly as some of the scientists, you know, a lot of the scientists are, are saying it will if people don't continue to really practice the social distancing. But it's like the one of the issues with starting to reopen is then people in their brain think they just so desperately want to return to normal. So I think the six foot thing goes out the window very quickly. I think the masks, the need for masks thing goes out the window. You talk about, you know, the restaurants requiring people to wear face masks in California, um, or at least the staff working. I'm curious to see how that's all going to play out in all these different regions. going to be pretty nuts. You know, they're, they're trying to the White House is trying to make it so there's a liability shield in the next stimulus package, and the Republicans are pushing this too, that if you do go to a business that is open and you're encouraged to go to a restaurant and you contract COVID-19, you would be unable to sue that business mm-hmm. um, for, you know, they would not be liable. That will probably not get past the Democrats unless they have to trade it for something like mm. state funding. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this is such a fucking crazy nightmare in so many ways. Florida has more than 32,800 cases. Most of them are in those three counties. Um, And the state reported 83 new deaths between Monday and Tuesday, which is their highest single-day number in the state. And that's after three days of unusually low totals, the New York Times reports. So it's not like they're having a great time right now when it comes to that stuff. Uh, He is not reopening those counties, like I said right now, but... Just something that kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit. Uh, Louisiana lawmakers, they are now starting to consider pushing back against their governor's decision to extend the statewide stay-at-home order into May. They're considering if there's a way to override the legislative, uh, using their legislative authority to override their governor's decision. Their governor is a Democrat. Uh, He met with Trump on Wednesday at the White House and they discussed efforts to ramp up testing and try to create a roadmap for reopening the state's economy. And that meeting apparently came after their governor announced that he was going to let that or have that stay-at-home order remain in place through May 15th. And then when that was announced, just the crazy backlash came from Republicans. And they were weighing a petition that's going to officially challenge the governor's order. And they said, the Republican Speaker of the State House said, we're working on every possible solution to safely open our economy as quickly as possible and get our families back to work. One of the ideas is to override the governor's emergency declaration. So that's what Republicans in Louisiana are up to. Wow. Yeah. Well, (sighs) uh, uh, yeah, there's there's just... um... I, we we were talking about you know a, a month ago when when uh, Trump was saying we'll open on Easter April twelfth and everyone was like what the fuck is your problem and here we are not even what th- not even three weeks later and he want and he's ordering everything to be open mm-hmm. and 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 uh, I, I don't know I just don't 
understand. It's just the wrong time. Um, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't see this playing out well for him, especially since the 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 Washington University model just upped their death toll through August second to seventy four thousand from sixty, and we're already over sixty. Uh, they were predicting before sixty thousand deaths by August 4th, and it's not even the end of April, and we're past that point. Um, I, I just don't understand. I just, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, I'm so frustrated because, as you know, on Facebook, we have people, you know, that are in our Facebook friend groups, whether you know those people or not, you know who I'm talking about, posting shit that's like <laughs> really, really just... I hate to use the word dumb because it feels like that's not a fair word to say, but if you could imagine a nicer word personally to insert there uh, when I say the word dumb. They're posting dumb shit on Facebook, and and my, my it's like, you know, they're saying, the governors can't, they can't scare us into losing all of our rights and shit, and it's like, are you even listening to these addresses by the governors like so many of these governors are actually saying stuff that i think you would find to be positive if you could just put down your tiki torches for five seconds and fucking listen like they're they're (laughs) talking they're talking about phases and plans to reopen governor newsom for example you know as maybe controversial as it was he's he's talking about trying to reopen schools in late july he's talking about sort of trying to re-enter you know into their enter into the phases of reopening in weeks instead of in months there there's stuff that like as long as we all adhere to what the scientists are saying and and go with them along this journey of data-driven courses of action it's looking up. It's not like they're telling us to stay in inside forever, and that's how they're acting. And it's it's ironic that they're saying you can't live in fear when it's like their response is actually the one that's incredibly fear based. I'm here watching these news conferences and listening to scientists, actually feeling like you know this is getting better because it is. We have to be safe, and it has to be nuanced, obviously, but. This, they're the ones that are kind of freaking out at this point, it seems. Yeah, that's what it seems like to me, too. They just can't stand to be inside and they want their freedoms or whatever the fuck. And it's just like, just chill out. Just stay home and don't be dumb. Yeah, patience. Patience and solidarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Caring about other people. Yeah. But that's all I got for, for my for my chunk. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, we do have... That was very Elvis. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> We do have um, a lot more news, a lot more headlines after this quick break. And then, of course, Jordan, you're going to join me later for the Good News Block. So everybody stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Daily Harvest. If you're like me, you're constantly trying to be mindful of what you eat, even for the quickest meals. And I really like quick meals. So that's why I love Daily Harvest. They deliver the food you want to eat, but don't have time to make and they deliver it right to your door. I am always in a rush. I'm always busy and fitting in time to cook healthy meals with enough fruits and vegetables to fill the gaps in my diet can be neglected. But Daily Harvest makes it easy for me to do this, to eat my fruits and veggies with thoughtfully sourced chef-crafted foods that can be prepared in five minutes or less, which is my favorite. 
So not only am I getting enough nutrients, vitamins and fiber and whatnot, but it works into my busy schedule because the meals are quick and easy to make and they're delicious. Uh, They work directly with farms to harvest organic fruits and vegetables at their peak, and then they freeze them within 24 hours to lock in the nutrients, and that's what I need from these these meals. And everything stays fresh until you're ready to enjoy it, and you can choose from more than 65 different options, which include smoothies, hearty soups, harvest bowls, and overnight oats. And each recipe takes one step to prepare, but you can add your own step if you want. You can put a fried egg on there, put some avocado in there, make it your own if you want, add your favorite milk to blend up a smoothie, uh, and it's great. So I make the wheatgrass banana cucumber smoothie pretty much every day, and I love it. And also the cauliflower rice pesto harvest bowl is delicious. It's like pesto risotto. So whether you're at your desk at home or, uh, you know, at your desk at home or at your desk at home, Daily Harvest is the easiest way to have a delicious and nutritious meal or snack. So go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code dailybeans to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code dailybeans for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. Again, that's dailyharvest.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, Today, we learned that the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, is authorizing, is going to authorize remdesivir for emergency use to treat COVID-19. Dr. Fauci has said it's shown very positive effects in early trials. Uh, New data suggests patients with severe COVID-19 symptoms who took uh, remdesivir could recover faster than patients who didn't take it. That's according to the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Um, And they said that today, Wednesday. Quote, the data show that remdesivir has a clear-cut significant positive effect in diminishing the time of recovery, and that's according to the Institute's director, who is, as we know, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Results from the preliminary trial show remdesivir improved recovery time for coronavirus patients from 15 days to 11 days. Quote, although 31% of improvement doesn't seem like a knockout, uh, it is very important proof of concept, Fauci said. So it seems like he's warning here. This isn't amazing and miracle. 31% improvement. Not a, We didn't knock it out of the park. It's, but it's an important proof of concept here with this antiviral. What it has proven is that the drug can block the virus. Results also suggest that uh, a survival benefit with a mortality rate of 8% for the group receiving remdesivir versus 11.6% for the placebo group. Um, Despite excitement around the top-line data shared by Gilead, that's the company that makes this drug, data from the randomized double-blind placebo-controlled multi-site trial in China published in The Lancet found the drug was not associated with statistically significant clinical benefits. However, the 158 patients taking remdesivir, 79 were on placebo, reported a quicker recovery. Though researchers say that data point requires confirmation in larger studies, so they're saying the sample size is too small in this case. The early findings may set the stage for a closely watched drug to move toward a possible emergency use authorization or approval from the FDA. Um, But the drug is currently being used on an expanded use or compassionate use basis. Um, And it's important to note that the FDA has not yet approved this drug for use with COVID, but Trump is moving fast to get the emergency authorization from the FDA. And six monkeys, macaques, given a vaccine developed by the University of Oxford, are said to be coronavirus-free 28 days after sustained exposure to the virus. The result is a promising early sign for the vaccine, which is also undergoing human trials. A working human version, however, remains months away, even in a best-case scenario. The monkey experiment was carried out in late March by government scientists at the Rocky Mountain Laboratory in Hamilton, Montana, as according to the New York Times. I'm sorry, they weren't macaques. They, nope, they were rhesus macaques. Six rhesus macaques received a vaccine produced by the Jenner Institute and the Oxford Vaccine Group. Uh, then they were exposed to heavy levels of coronavirus that were known to have previously sickened other monkeys. These monkeys suffered no ill effects, however, and remained healthy at least 28 days later. All 100% of them. Six of them. Uh, and then, so that's, um, that looks good. 
that looks good. But uh, obviously, these are early, six monkeys, not humans yet, but we're moving toward the human trial phase. And as Iowa prepares to partially reopen on Friday, the state has warned furloughed workers that they will lose their unemployment benefits if they refuse to return to work. This is the part about when I said in the beginning that uh, they're saying the quiet part out loud. The Des Moines Register reports that businesses like restaurants, bars, retail stores, and fitness centers will be allowed to reopen at half capacity starting May 1st. Governor Kim Reynolds said that the 77 reopening counties either have no cases or are on a downward trend. Iowa Workforce Development, IWD, a state agency that provides employment services for individual workers, said employees across the state who don't return to work out of fear will be considered voluntary quit, which means they can no longer receive unemployment benefits. The motive becomes clear. Ryan West, the deputy director of IWD, told Radio Iowa that there are some exceptions, such as workers being diagnosed with COVID-19, I guess, if you can get a test, maybe. And the big story from the New York Times last night has a headline that reads, U.S. coronavirus death toll is far higher than reported, CDC data suggests. From Josh Katz, Denise Liu, and Margot Sanger-Katz at the New York Times, quote, total deaths in seven states that have been hard hit by the coronavirus pandemic are nearly 50% higher than normal for five weeks from March 8th through April 11th, according to new death statistics from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. That is 9,000 more deaths than were reported as of April 11th, in official counts of deaths from the coronavirus. The new data is partial and most likely undercuts or undercounts the recent death toll significantly, but it illustrates how the coronavirus is causing a surge in deaths in places it has struck, probably killing more people than reported statistics capture. These increases belie arguments that the virus is only killing people who would have died anyway. Instead, the virus has brought a pattern of deaths unlike anything seen in recent years. If you look at the provisional deaths from all causes. Death counts in New York, New Jersey, Michigan, Massachusetts, Illinois, Maryland, and Colorado have spiked far above their normal levels for the period. In New York City, home of the biggest outbreak, the number of deaths over this period is more than three times the normal number. Recent data suggests it could have reached six times higher than normal. And in New Jersey, deaths have been 172% of the normal number so far, more than 5,000 additional deaths compared with an average count from the past five years. In Michigan, the partial death count is 121% of the count of a normal year, the equivalent of nearly 2,000 more deaths. And even these numbers are preliminary because it can take up to eight weeks to process a death certificate. The New York Times compared these provisional death counts with the average number of deaths each week over the past five years. Public health researchers use the term excess deaths to describe a gap between recent trends and a typical level of deaths. And it's difficult to know whether the differences between excess deaths and the official counts of coronavirus deaths reflect an undercounting of coronavirus deaths or a surge in deaths from other causes. It could be a mix of both. Uh, But there is evidence in New York York and other places that the official coronavirus counts are too low. Tests for the illness can be hard to get. Not all who die are being tested, particularly if they die outside a hospital. New York City recently revised its own statistics uh, for the number of coronavirus-related fatalities, saying thousands of additional deaths were probably because of COVID-19, even though no, death, no tests had been conducted. There's also an increased, uh, increasing evidence that stresses on the healthcare system and fears about catching the disease have caused some Americans to die from ailments. They're typically treatable because they avoid the hospital. And a recent draft paper found the hospital admissions for major type of heart attacks fell by 38% in nine major U.S. hospitals in March. In a normal year, cardiovascular disease is the, the country's leading cause of death. But some causes of death may be going down. If you think about it, there appear to be fewer road fatalities in California. 
as more U.S. residents are staying home. And it's possible those reductions could cancel out coronavirus deaths in places where the virus is not yet widespread. But in many states, any such reductions have been clearly outweighed by the increases in deaths directly and indirectly related to coronavirus. So it's something to think about. But anybody on the Internet or elsewhere who is saying that the death toll is overreported, CDC disagrees, and they disagree significantly. And we're learning today that the data on COVID coming out of Florida isn't accurate either. The Medical Examiner's Commission stopped releasing its list of COVID deaths, which were often higher than the official state tallies, after the health department intervened. That's according to the Tampa Bay Times. They say the list might need to be redacted. And that's why there's a delay in releasing these numbers. Despite that, DeSantis is opening everything up except for Miami-Dade, Palm Beach, and Broward counties. Jordan and I talked about that at the top of the show. DeSantis seems to think the virus will respect those county lines. And even so, many of those counties he wants to open are not meeting the gating criteria of 14 days of decreased cases. That's the number one criteria that the White House itself put forth. No states right now are meeting those criteria. And from the Washington Post... Apparently, Trump freaked out over the weekend after being presented with polling numbers that Biden is kicking his ass in key battleground states, and he was advised to stop doing his daily task coronavirus briefings uh, on this call because his numbers were in decline since he started them. That's according to polls conducted by the Trump campaign and the RNC polls. Those are typically very favorable to Trump. So this was a call between Brad Parscale and uh, Ronna McDaniel Romney, don't ever forget her last name is Romney, uh, that shared this information with him on a conference call last week. And according to sources familiar with the call, Trump blew up at Parscale, flipped the fuck out, and even threatened to sue him. Although one White House aide told the Washington Post he was just kidding when he threatened that lawsuit. Because, you know, he's not a litigious guy. He doesn't sue people. He's just joking around, just like, you know, injecting bleach. Joke, just jokes. These are jokes. Come on. Um, but in any case, Parscale came to D.C. Uh, recently and met with Trump for a really long time, and apparently they buried the hatchet, mostly because Parscale had brought with him more favorable polling numbers. What a weak, sad piece of fragile ego shit Trump is. He's like, I need good numbers, or I'm going to sue you. It's a wonder that Cohen confessed to Congress that he had been told to falsify polling numbers. I don't know what everybody's afraid of this guy for. Anyway, we'll be right back with more headlines after this quick break, so stick around. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Ritual. During these crazy pandemic times, I'm trying to focus on nutrition, health, and keeping my immune system strong. That's why I want to share with you Ritual. It is an obsessively researched vitamin for women. Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough from food. And it's all in their clean, absorbable form, so there's no shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. Just two easy-to-take capsules provide nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health. I started taking Ritual a long time ago, and I feel amazing. It's really helped. It's made a difference. I have more energy, more clarity. Mentally, I feel good knowing I'm actually getting all the vitamins my body needs. I'm finally taking vitamins daily again. I love that. It just gives me a sense of security, especially in these times. And with my immune system, I want to keep it up. Ritual Essential for Women is the ultimate multivitamin to help fill the gaps in my diet from D3s to omega-3s. Their no-nausea capsule design is gentle on an empty stomach. So that's great. If I'm intermittently fasting, I can take these capsules and I don't have to worry about also having to have a meal. And there's a mint tab in every bottle to keep things fresh so you don't have that fishy aftertaste common with omega-3s. And Ritual uses vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients. 
and it's delivered directly to your door. A subscription is easy to start and it's easy to snooze. It's only a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every month, no strings attached. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash dailybeans to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Yesterday, are you ready? The Roger Stone warrants were released in a lawsuit by CNN and other news organizations. And while they are still heavily redacted, uh, we did learn that Mueller investigators said Stone orchestrated hundreds of fake Facebook accounts and bloggers to run a political influence scheme in 2016. From Caitlin Polens at CNN, she says, quote, Stone's assistant, interviewed voluntarily by former special counsel Robert Mueller, said that is part of his work for Stone. He bought a couple hundred Facebook accounts, bought bought a couple hundred Facebook accounts, and that bloggers working for Stone sought to build what looked like a real Facebook account to push information about the 2016 Russian hack of the Democrats, a search warrant unsealed Tuesday stated. So not only were they taking these WikiLeaks dumps and putting them out through uh, WikiLeaks and Guccifer 2.0 and uh, Wikistrat and uh, these channels, but Roger Stone apparently bought a couple hundred Facebook groups and paid bloggers to put them out as well. In 2016, Stone had wanted to push WikiLeaks content online that could help then-candidate Donald Trump, including content stolen from emails belonging, uh, an account belonging to John Podesta, we remember this, and then campaign chairman of Trump's, he was the uh, campaign of Hillary Clinton chair, uh, why can't I get this out, then-campaign chairman of Trump's rival Hillary Clinton. Uh, And the warrant mentioned that the fake account sought data from Facebook for three accounts, two of which were registered to the handle Roger Stone. No, no clues. What does Asha Rangappa say in in the FBI? That's what we call a clue. At least one of the suspected Stone accounts was used from October 2016 to March 2017 to buy advertisements to push stories related to Russia and WikiLeaks, according to the warrant. Some social media messages from the accounts rebutted that the Russians were behind the online pseudonym Guccifer 2.0, which they were. U.S. intelligence community has said it was operated by Russian intelligence and it was to disseminate hacked materials aimed at damaging Clinton's campaign. And Stone said in a statement Tuesday, the newly released uh, warrants showed baseless overreach of the Mueller witch hunt and exonerated him from any accusations of Russian collusion, WikiLeaks collaboration, and the receipt of and dissemination of stolen emails. It actually does the opposite, Roger. Um, He has not yet begun to serve his sentence of 40 months in prison. He has been publicly advocating for a pardon from President Trump. And Stone, under the threat of prosecution, allegedly moved his home computer data to a private server. Hmm. Who did we accuse of doing something like that before? But under threat of prosecution, he moved his shit to a private server. Stone was so afraid of being hacked uh, or being tracked by the government in the spring of 2018, he moved his data from his home computers to a private server uh, an assistant voluntarily told prosecutors this. Um, probably Corsi. And uh, Stone was concerned with his business and, and work. If his computers were seized and he didn't have access to them, he wanted to be able to get uh, to continue to work, right? And he wanted to be able to get all the, the word out if he were... Um, if, he, if his shit was taken away. And his wife also sent a text in March of 2018 that said he was moving uh, to use the server because of his issues with the government agencies. He was arrested... Less than a year later, in January 2019, and Mueller uh, had clearly been pursuing him for a very long time. 
Stone had been paying about $500 a month for the server, according to his assistant. Stone was convicted of lying to Congress, we know this, and witness tampering. He was also investigated for hacking, wire fraud, conspiracy, illegal foreign campaign contributions. Um, all this is according to the warrants, but he was never charged with any of those crimes. According to prosecutors, Stone discussed with his contacts trying to coordinate with WikiLeaks about its releases. And he was in touch with a Twitter persona operated by Russian hackers. Mueller did not accuse anyone of illegally working with the Kremlin. We know that. And these warrants were released again Tuesday. They highlighted how extensively Stone discussed the WikiLeaks drops. He did a lot. And they noted, these warrants noted that in their searches, Stone in fact communicated via private direct message with WikiLeaks during the campaign, despite him claiming he had not. He was also in contact with WikiLeaks uh, the following year. Uh, and Julian Assange, who since has been indicted in the U.S. for computer crime and is facing extradition from the U.K., but not for this. This is for his 2010 stuff. And on June 4th in 2017, this is just right after, less than a month after Mueller's appointment, after he was appointed to investigate as special counsel, um, Stone messaged Assange on Twitter. And this is according to these warrants. Quote, if the U.S. government moves on you, I will bring down the entire house of cards. With the trumped-up sexual assault charges dropped, uh, I don't know of any crime you need to be pardoned for, according to Stone. Six days later, Stone messaged WikiLeaks, writing, I am doing everything possible to address the issues at the highest level of government. Fed treatment of you and WikiLeaks is an outrage. Must be circumspect in this forum, as experience demonstrates it is monitored. So those are some of the top line things. Just a couple of the top line things coming out of these warrants, this uh, release of these warrants. I'll go over in more detail uh, these warrants over the weekend in the Mueller She Wrote episode. Um, but in current election news, uh, we all thought for sure that Tulsi Gabbard was going to be Russia's choice for a third party run to peel votes away from Biden. Uh, but they've picked someone better for their cause, and his name is Justin Amash. If you remember, he's the Tea Party guy that broke with Trump and wanted him impeached so badly, he left the Republican Party and became independent. A lot of Dems liked him for that. But he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's one of the only reps that voted against making lynching a federal crime. You'll remember we covered that on this show. He's full-on Ayn Rand libertarian idiot, destroy the government asshole, and now he's throwing his hat in the ring for the 2020 presidential race. Lots of people are positing that he would take more votes away from Trump, and that might be true, but Trump won by a handful of votes in critical swing states in 2016, and libertarian Gary Johnson siphoned more votes than went the winning margin for Trump last time. Amash threatens to take the moderate conservative suburbanite anti-Trump voters, I think, away from Biden, which he has been winning. And even if Amash takes more votes away from Trump, he will be taking votes away from Biden. We can't afford that. We can't afford any votes to be taken away from Biden. He's a spoiler in sheep's clothing. He's here to make you think he's only going to hurt Trump. If you want to know if Amash is bad for Trump and good for, you know, and good for Biden, ask yourself, ask yourself why Trump is tweeting his support for Amash entering the race and why he names Jill Stein in the same breath. Uh, this might be uh, super space beans, but I think Amash, maybe he could hire Tad Devine as his campaign manager, but only because Manafort's in prison. So this is bad, and I don't know what to do about it, other than we all have to shame him out of it. I keep telling him to fuck off and that he's an asshole on Twitter, I don't, but you know, I don't think he's going to listen. We have to make him a Mike Bloomberg flash in the pan quickly and neatly so he'll drop out. He told Madhu Raju like, a while back that he would not run for president unless he had a very clear path to victory. He doesn't. He's obviously a liar. 
And my super space beans are that Russia's involved. But I, I have no proof. But put some beans on it. Something is afoot with a mosh. And in other election news, it's looking like Biden has swept every single county in Ohio, beating Senator Sanders, who, have, who has he did suspend his campaign, to be fair, but he remains on the ballots. And uh, it was 72 to 17 Biden took, took Ohio. But the presidential election wasn't the only thing on the ballot yesterday. Joyce Beatty smashed the progressive candidate Morgan Harper in the third congressional district primary, 68 to 32. Beatty was backed by the Congressional Black Caucus, while Harper was backed by the Justice Dems and other progressive groups. Now, granted, this is Ohio. They don't tend to vote uh, very progressively in the Midwest. And uh, here's something fun. The Ohio State Senate candidate Melissa Ackeson lost her primary bid against incumbent District 26 Republican State Rep Bill Reinecke on Tuesday, with Reinecke getting almost two-thirds of the vote. Atkinson blamed the Republican political machine for her loss, but applauded herself for getting to walk away knowing that if I win, that I win in life and I didn't have to compromise my principles. I win in life. Mark my words. Sounds like somebody drunk getting 86 from a bar, doesn't it? I walk away knowing I win in life. And if the name Atkinson doesn't sound familiar, you know who she is. I know you know who she is. She put herself front and center in that mid-April AstroTurf protest down by uh, the Ohio State House, demanding that Ohio give up its rights to Donald Trump and reopen amidst the coronavirus pandemic. She was one of the ones screaming in that Night of the Living Dead, Walking Dead Ohio protest photo of all the people up against the window, like, ah! She was in there. And at the time, she explained that she supported Trump's right to override local municipalities. Hmm, federalism. Seems like even conservative Ohioans don't share her uh, fervor. So she got her ass handed to her. Rep Reinecke, who beat her, is far from awesome, though, as most Republicans are. He had the support of uh, notable dirtbag GOP establishment luminaries like accused serial sexual assault accessory after the fact representative Jim G.Y.M. Jordan. Reinecke is backed by Jim Jordan. Ackerson somehow found a tiny niche just right out of the already fascist-leaning Republican establishment. It's hard to do, but the GOP can always find some deeper, angrier place to go. And uh, anyway, the the, there was a photo in this story um, of Ackerson wearing a campaign sweatshirt and protesting slightly, the slightly more famous image of her and others trying to disrupt Governor Mike DeWine's daily press conference. And uh, from Laura Seligman, who I love, at Politico, the Navy's top civilian leader has decided to open a fuller investigation into the firing of aircraft carrier Captain Crozier, who warned of coronavirus spreading through his ship, effectively delaying a decision on whether he should be reinstated as commanding officer of the USS Theodore Roosevelt. We thought this would be decided over the weekend. But after Politico first reported the news of the delay on Wednesday morning... Acting Navy Secretary James McPherson released a statement saying he still has unanswered questions about the case that can only be answered by a deeper review. Yeah, I bet you do, buddy. Therefore, I am directing uh, Gil Day to conduct a follow-on command investigation, McPherson said. This investigation will build on the good work of the initial inquiry already done by the Chief of Naval Operations, Admiral Michael Gilday, but I didn't like the results, so we're going further. I'm paraphrasing. Um, anyway, he said it would build on the good work of the initial inquiry to provide a more fulsome understanding of the sequence of events and actions and decisions of the chain of command surrounding the outbreak aboard the Roosevelt. The decision doesn't only delay Crozier's potential return by at least a month, 
but it also opens up the possibility that earlier, you know, the earlier recommendation of Gilday to bring him back on board could be overturned. But they're giving the deeper probe back to Gilday. So I trust Gilday. He, they might try to tell him what to do, but I, th I think he'll speak out. He'll do, he'll pull a Richard Spencer and, and I think he'll resign. Uh, the controversy over the captain, uh, the only thing is you can't resign from being active duty. So I'm not sure how that would work. You can't just quit the Navy. Richard Spencer was a civilian, so he could just walk away. But this controversy, we know who in late March, he wrote a letter pleading for help from Navy leadership as coronavirus spread throughout his ship. He was fired when the memo was leaked to the media, San Francisco Chronicle. And it seemed like it was simmering down over the weekend because senior Navy leaders recommended uh, to Mark Esper that Crozier be reinstated as captain of the Roosevelt. And at the time, the Joint Chiefs Chairman, Mark Milley, advised Esper to defer a decision and instead open a fuller investigation into the matter. Joint Chief of Staff, Mark Milley. Milley's advice to Esper was, uh, quote, to ensure that the inquiry was as thorough as it needs to be to answer any questions the Secretary may have had before finalizing the report. What it sounds like is they just want to make sure all their ducks are in a row because they know that if they reinstate him that Trump's going to stick his nose in it. So maybe a little bit longer of an investigation will prevent that from happening, or at least cover their ass in case it does. Politico previously reported that Milley was not against Crozier being reinstated, just that a larger investigation should be conducted. Yeah, we know what that means. You want Trump to stay the fuck out of it, and a longer investigation could help to that end. McPherson, the new acting Secretary of the Navy, initially agreed with Gilday that Crozier should be reinstated, but changed his mind after hearing Milley's advice. The senior defense, this somebody, the, the, somebody told this to Politico. And while Milley is not in the chain of command, he is the principal military advisor to President Donald J. Trump and butthole Mark Esper. I'm sorry, Secretary of Defense Mark Esper. House Armed Services Chairman Adam Smith, a Democrat from Washington, told reporters he spoke with McPherson on Wednesday morning and again called for Crozier's reinstatement. Adam Smith says, I don't think... I do think it's perfectly legitimate to extend the investigation about everything that happened with the Roosevelt. I think a forensic analysis of that is enormously important, and I completely agree that it's not something you can get done in a week. However, on the question of whether or not Captain Crozier is the right person to continue the command they gave him in the first place, I believe that question should have been clearly answered to, at this point. From everything that's come out and everything I've seen, there's no reason to relieve him of his command in the first place. I concur. I'm also upset that Trump sent blue angels to fly over cities. Could have used that money. That's really expensive to do that. We could have used that money for PPE. If he weren't giving it all to China, because he owes them $100 billion. But you know, what? not $100 billion. It's like $1 billion. It's like $960 million. But anyway, um, we do have, fortunately, a lot of good news today. And... We will be right back with the silky smooth voice of Jordan Coburn and the good news, along with quarantine confessions. You don't want to miss it. It's the best part of the show. Stick around. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the absolute best mattress I've ever slept on in my whole life. I swear to God, hands down. Uh, I used to have the toughest time getting a good night's rest. I've got a lot of anxiety. It's, I've been tossing and turning all night. Couldn't figure out why. It's probably the news. Uh, but I figured out it wasn't just stress and worry and politics and guilty conscience, but I also had a terrible mattress. Um, it's one of the biggest causes of sleepless nights, the wrong mattress. And even if your mattress isn't terrible and it's a good mattress, it might not be the right mattress for you. If you have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, I recommend checking out Helix. 
Uh, it, they made such a difference in my life. They have a quick quiz that takes just two minutes to complete, and it matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. It's customized. There's nobody on the planet that sleeps like you, so why would you buy a generic mattress built for everyone? Helix Sleep customizes their mattresses to fit you in the way you sleep. So whether you're a side sleeper or a hot sleeper, or you like a plush or a firm bed, with Helix, there's no more confusion and no more compromising on an average, on an average mattress. Uh, Helix Sleep was even awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Uh, you spend a third of your life sleeping. Uh, maybe not these days, but you should. And this will really help. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights, 100 sleeps, risk-free. And they'll pick it up for you if you don't love it. But you will, I swear. And they are offering right now up to $125 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $125 off. All right, everybody, it's time for the good news. Well, we'll blow it And welcome back. We now have the good news segment, my favorite part of the day. And joining me for the good news delivery is Jordan Coburn. Jordan, hey. Hello again. Good to be back. Hello. It has been, <laughs> it has been, let's see, it has been 48 seconds since I spoke to you last. How are you? <laughs> I know. That was a nice peel back behind the curtain there. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. You know, my uh, the candle in front of me has burned down a fraction of a centimeter since we last spoke, and that's about the only change around me. How are you? Good. Feels like decades. Feels like decades. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes, it does. Uh, I'm good. I'm I'm doing well. Today's a, a better day than uh, than not, and so that's kind of how I'm judging my days now. Is it is it better than not, or is it not as better and today is better than not <laughs> good <laughs> i'm glad we do have a lot of good news yeah and i think the good news is really going to help me out too so mm -hmm. let's hear let's hear what you got okay sweet our first good news comes from cursa cursa says got some good news today my therapist wrote the letter of support so i can move forward with surgery for my transition i've been in a position where i didn't think this would ever be possible before this year so take that 2020 fuck yes ah. You had sent this piece of good news to us, I think, in our group text, and we, we celebrated before this um, for our listener mm -hmm. just between us three. That's really, really amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. And I'm so glad that when you look back on 2020, you're going to have a positive piece of life in there amidst all of everything right now. Yeah, I really love the this the this whole symbolism of you know the the before times and the after times and we're in a we're in a a transmogrification right now. We're in a transmutation. We're in a a, a serious universe altering change, a metamorphosis, and I think that it's just so beautifully symbolic. We were cuz we got this bit of news last night and I shared it with uh, Mandy and Jordan and we we you know we spoke about it and how happy we were and and I just I absolutely love that you know just that sort of side by side you know caterpillar cocoon butterfly symbology of what the world is going through and what you've gone through is just to me it just really really like touches my heart hugely mm -hmm. definitely 
thank you so much for sending that in everybody please send your your good vibes and congratulations into the air uh to reach our listener kirsa or kirsa k-i-r-s-a i'm not quite sure how to pronounce that please correct me our next one is from anonymous Anonymous says, my 18-month-old is learning words at a blinding pace, and it just throws me for a loop every day. Today, I found out she knows frog, purple, and can identify the letter A. I'm so blessed that I can be working from home right now so I can experience this. I wasn't able to do that with my first. That's so cool. Uh, what a great silver lining to that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it's just so funny when they learn, like, and then eventually the, when they learn grown-up words, but they're still, like, three. <laughs> and and it, it's just weird. Like, I remember being in the car with uh, my best friend and, and her daughter, my goddaughter, is in the back seat. And we start to roll, and I tell, I tell my friend, say I say, you forgot your seatbelt because her thing started, you know, bing, bing. And she's like, oh, yeah. And so she put her seatbelt on, and... Lily in the back seat just put her hand on her face and went, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just turned around and looked at her like, what? <laughs> three. <laughs> that is uh, so funny. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ, mom. Put your seatbelt on. That's amazing. <laughs> She's like the same size as baby Jesus and already saying his name in vain. Amazing. <laughs> that's so good i love that jesus christ i'm not religious so obviously it doesn't offend me it is one of my favorite things to say while exasperated it just it just hits different you know jesus christ especially hits coming out of the mouth of a (laughs) three-year-old yeah (laughs) exactly uh that's great uh, thank you, Anonymous. Next up, for Maureen. Maureen says, here's some good news for a highly endangered species of Mexican dolphin. The vaquita, the world's smallest dolphin, is also one of the most endangered. There are fewer than 20 alive, and recently a federal judge banned the import of seafood from the Gulf of California that uses the nets that kill the vaquita. That's great news in sad times. That's very cool. Yes, Good. We had just, we did a story on the vaquita a couple of months ago that their numbers were coming back a little bit. And so it's really great that they're banning the use of those nets. Um, so wonderful, wonderful news. That so is. Just keep, keep on going, vaquitas. Adorable. I'm imagining, um, are they tiny little dolphins? I mean, I guess do all dolphins do that thing <sighs> where they're like jumping with all you like alongside the boats and like pl- playful and shit? Yeah, they're adorable, too. You need to Google what they look like. It's so cute. Oh, I will do that immediately after this. Thank you. Uh, Next up from Anonymous. Anonymous says, trying to find the bright side of a bad situation. I was in and out of the hospital for almost two years with six abdominal surgeries, culminating in an ileostomy and a month of hospitalization in December 2019. As a normally very active person with a wardrobe almost exclusively form-fitting and a single mother of an also very active 12-year-old, I was really questioning how I was going to manage day-to-day life this year. While the virus may extend the time until my ostomy reversal surgery, I can't help but be very thankful for the excuse to hide while I have this bag hanging from my waist. Thank you so much for the great show. I'm even starting to turn off NPR in the morning in order to listen to your extensive updates. Oh, God, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, thank you, but uh, NPR, I mean. (laughs) 
Um, I guess, you know, we do have a correction segment, so we make up for it at the end of the week. But oh, thank you, though. Thank you, though. That's um, thank you. Yeah. And that is a beautiful. Um, that's a really nice positive attitude. Yes. For something that is probably very anxiety inducing when you first realize you're going to have to wait for that. So strength to you while you have to wait and you're going through that prolonged period of waiting to find resolution on that and i i hope i hope you're having a good time at home um what's i'm trying to think of i'm sure you've already brainstormed this immensely but what is like what is like fun physical like semi-physical activities you could do while remaining relatively stationary there's like we like we stuff is cool Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. i'm trying to think hmm I'll brainstorm on that. Or if you've already brainstormed, maybe you could share it with us and anyone else that's in a similar situation could also um, use use that stuff too. There are also a couple of really great um, chair yoga class um, like series on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, which I, f- I found when I was coming out of the hospital after my surgery was extremely helpful for just stretching and keeping my joints mobile and keeping my muscles going a little bit and so it was like chair yoga i think it was called and i I absolutely live and died by it It it's so good that's a great suggestion i totally didn't even think about that you're totally right um thank you anonymous front next up from janet janet says mine is both good news and a confession after hearing about it on your shows i went online to order girl scout cookies the site takes to your nearest active sellers which for me was somewhere in utah i ordered six boxes (laughs) no nice i ordered six boxes plus donated one they arrived today from michigan all in good shape wait what is going on in this country utah to michigan to oh 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 got it wait oh oh wait do they live in utah is that what's happening somewhere in utah and they came from Michigan. I'm so. Am I right in being no, confused? No, we'll keep here? reading. Maybe the answers. <laughs> maybe the answers in the rest that's of. That's a great. Maybe the answers. Yes, that is a great lesson that I <laughs> never learned. Um, <laughs> they arrived today from Michigan, all in good shape. Today would also have been my dad's hundredth birthday, so in his honor, I'm doing.